the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I kind of want, want my radio company, KDOW, to recut that. Not, now here's Rob Black. I want it to be recut to, now here is television and radio's Rob Black. I want more credit. I'm not just KDOW's Rob Black. I'm much bigger than that. People know I'm kind of a big deal. People do know me. I'm very important. Lifetime has approached me about doing my lifetime story, even though I've only lived half of my lifetime. That's how important I am. They want a sequel. It's 130% true. With that said, let's take a look at some of the top stories of the day. I'll peek at the stock market, tell you if I need to say anything about that. No, 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 no. Modestly down, <clears throat> but down nonetheless. NASDAQ hit a record yesterday. Nice to see. Um, I love it when old industry people say stupid stuff. And I say this with love and respect. Peace and love. I say this with peace and love. Peace and love. Daimler has nothing to fear from an Apple electric car, so says the chairman of the international automaker. He says, I do not know the strategy of Apple. It is not that easy for me to understand why they would be interested in entering the auto industry. Dieter Zietz, the chair of Daimler since 2006 and head of its premium Mercedes-Benz car division. Um, there's a lot of speculation that Apple's going to produce an electric car as early as 2020. Rival tech companies such as Google have also shown interest in building electric or self-driving cars. I get why someone who you know does premium Mercedes-Benz can look at Apple and say, good luck. At least he's at the high end of the car industry. So far, Apple's presence in the car space is limited to its CarPlay app that allows iPhone users to get directions, make calls, send and receive messages, and listen to music from the car dashboard. Um, he says, I don't see a battle, but I do see a huge opportunity by these two worlds converging between automotive industry and the tech world. I think he is dead smack wrong. Uh, driving in 10 years won't be what driving is today. And that's a reality, and I think he needs to grasp that. Uh, people don't have to have what he sells. 
forever. And manufacturing is definitively getting more intriguing, while design hasn't. Again, keep in mind, I'm not talking about BMW and Mercedes. Cars are ugly. Cars are not stylish, and every now and then you get, you know, some sort of hit vehicle, um, like a, a Mini Cooper. And people go crazy because it's unique to them. So, going to be interesting to say the least. Especially with a generation that's not going to be as affluent as the current generation. I think he's dead wrong. So, other big stories out there of note today. And I put these in no direct order that makes any sense. Um, Ford, Chrysler, Nissan, all sales missed expectations for the month of February. And that's okay. Uh, you never look at data and say one one night was bad. I've had dates that, you know, first date was great, second day was great, third date, not so good. I've had days in my life where, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, great. Wednesday, woke up, woke up struggling. Same thing with data. You don't lump it all together. Um, Michael Jordan, now officially a billionaire. He's made that list at age 52. Um, he's one of the world's 290 new billionaires. So, am I on that list? <laughs> am I on that list? Missed it yet again. He's the most famous rookie on the billionaires list. He's arguably the greatest basketball player of all time, indisputably, un, indisputably, um, trying to find one more word and I can't come it. But he's the greatest paid athlete, the best paid athlete of all time. It's 130% true. Last year, I'm going to play a little game with you. How much do you think the Jordan brand grossed for Nike? Just give you a second. Give you a second. Things that have Michael Jordan's logo, whether it be shoes or hats, maybe, uh, I don't know what else they might sell. I'm not that big into sports apparel. The correct number, and I'll, I'll give you how much Nike pulled in revenue from Jordan and his brand. $2.25 billion in 2013. And that earned Michael Jordan some $90 million. Plus, he's buying more and more of the Charlotte Hornets. Am I right with that? Uh, that's his most valuable asset. So, stocks, bonds, and real estate. Uh, he's the 513th richest person in America. And um, he is, quote-unquote, obscenely rich. And there's nothing wrong with that in any way, shape, or form. We're finding out that cheaper gas is actually, and this is, this is a good story. I like this one. Cheaper gas, people are using their savings at the pump to pay down debt, to pocket the savings in the bank. And the working class household, it's still lingering with, you know, struggling on the economy six years after the debt-induced recession. So that's good to see. The national savings rate for the average American jumped, get this, a full percentage point in January to 5.5%, from 4.5% to 5.5%. That's a big January savings. Now, will it always be that way? No, because we are addicted to stupid stuff. But maybe not. Again, I'm talking about my generation and the older generation. Uh, the rate is roughly twice as high as it was before the recession. Let's move on, shall we? Uh, the nonprofit that is anything but. When I ask you the question, what is a nonprofit? What's the first thing that comes into your head? 
it is people doing goodwill, it's people doing philanthropy, feeding the poor, kissing babies, helping children, fighting disease in far-flung countries. You don't think of nonprofit as the NFL, or let me put it this way. You don't think of nonprofit as one of the world's largest tax-free organizations, the NFL. A quirk of the law classifies the NFL as a tax exempt to earn nearly $10 billion in revenues each year. How can you be a nonprofit and earn $10 billion a year? Chief executive pulls in $44 million in salary. There's about 1.5 million nonprofits in the United States that are dedicated to legitimate charitable activities. Yet history shows us that when tax-exempt organizations get big money, big, head, big headaches start to follow. In 2005, the New York Stock Exchange was basically a nonprofit, and then they basically went for profit, and a pay scandal suddenly hit its former chief. Like, the NFL has cemented its tax-exempt status. Ultimately, in 1966, when it merged with the AFL, benefiting from a clause that provides tax exemption to business leagues, chambers of commerce, business leagues, real estate boards, boards of trade, and professional football leagues. So they've got a lot of bad press going on right now with PR tied towards um, concussions and domestic abuse and potentially child abuse. On Although I, I think the Adrian Peterson hitting his kid with a switch is... Um, far from what the image of child abuse summons in people's heads, but they've got that PR on their plate. Other stories of note, House of Cards is out, America got insomnia this week, <laughs> binged to watch, it's done, now we have to wait four weeks for more quality from Netflix, it'll come. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at robblack.com. Webinar, not a webinar, a live seminar in Walnut Creek on the 12th of March. Sign up at robblack.com. It's tied towards income in retirement, picking income, stocks, and much, much more. Sign up at robblack.com. Black talking money, investing, and more. Jimmy Kimmel did a nice piece last night on the anti-vaccination community, encouraging his audience to take vaccinating their children seriously. He cracked jokes about it. <clears throat> He's got a child. And anti-vaxxers lashed out on him. Um, you're probably not going to take advice from a talk show host. But basically every doctor and everyone in the scientific community all believe the same thing, that vaccinations, you know, kill diseases, eradicates them, makes your children and seniors a lot safer in the community. If you get a chance to, like, Google Jimmy Kimmel anti-vaccination, pass that video around. 
I'm stunned by how many people, and this should scare you all, um, don't believe in technology. And there's a movement on it right now. <clears throat> Whether it's scientists across the group, <clears throat> except that the Earth's atmosphere is getting warmer because people are pumping carbon dioxide into the air that will cause dramatic changes in the climate. <clears throat> you can't say just because it's cold on the East Coast, that's not true. Um, only 40% of Americans believe that our planet's changing because of what we're doing to it. Only 40%. Scientists see no connection between childhood vaccinations and autism. The only reason people ever believe there might have been a connection in the first place is because of a single study that was later totally disproved. Disproved. Not disapproved. A growing number of Americans now bypass childhood vaccinations, and the result is a return of diseases like measles that were stamped out. Why don't people believe in science is a fascinating concept, and yet they believe in their, their cell phone, their iPhone. Can't wait for the iPhone 7. Um, it's, it's because we're taught very, very poorly. We learn a set of inarguable truths. Earth revolves around the sun. Gravity made the apple fall from the tree and hit Newton on the head. But science is a lot messier than that. It starts with a hypothesis, you might remember, a theory of explaining something. One scientist finds evidence that seems to prove or disprove that idea. Others pile in, test it, modify it, sometimes disprove it. People see these debates and they start thinking of themselves. Aha, they don't know what they're talking about. Keep in mind you're probably delivering packages for FedEx. You're probably talking to the news, giving sports updates. And you have no clue how science works. There's a lot of fascination in my world with this on, you know, we have figures like Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Benioff, and they're putting a lot of money into reforming the education in America and the world for that matter. And there's a lot of companies like the Khan Academy that are going out there and bringing education to the masses so that we can start understanding that some things like polio were stamped out because my mom and dad vaccinated me. I'm with Jimmy Kimmel on this one. So try to pass that message around, uh, whether you're pro it or anti it. Uh, he had some doctors make a pretty funny PSA. And then he went as far as to send some children out to basically, um, you know, fight for their rights to, to choose. Like an eight-year-old kid should be able to choose if he wants the measles shot or not. And obviously that was a play on something a little bit different, uh, but the results were pretty hilarious. So... Check it out. Jimmy Kimmel last night on anti-vaccinations. Other stories that I want to bring up is there's been a big movement, and I don't think people can really appreciate this yet because it's slow. Credit card companies, they're pelting you, the consumer right now, with better sign-up offers as Americans show their highest tolerance for debt in years. Many, many years ago, I went to a hockey game, and if you sign up for a credit card, they would give you a free jersey of that team. Woohoo! Free jersey, <clears throat> T-shirt. Let me say it. Let me let me correct that. T-shirt. Overall credit card debt rose to 642 billion dollars in December, up nearly six percent from 607 billion in December 2013. Um, that's the highest it's been since April 2010. Now, what's happening is credit companies, credit card companies, and credit companies, people that lend the credit. They're seeing like, hey, there's competition between us. So 
So they're offering a lot better deals, better sign-up bonuses. Um, the direct mail to our houses is going up. The sign-up bonus values can alone be over $1,000 right now. I'm pro credit cards if you pay them off every month. Most airline credit cards are offering 50,000 miles sign-up sign up bonuses. Last year was about 40,000. I would say the Marriott card could have been a 50,000 point sign-up bonus a year, two years ago. Now it's 70,000. So there's a good website called bankrate.com where you can see what sort of cards are out there, whether you want to pay an annual fee or not. Since I put all of my spending that I can, and it's about 90% on a credit card, I don't mind an annual fee if I'm getting 2% back versus 1.5% back. If a friend of mine, she's got a Southwest card, and you know, she flies home to Southwest on a regular basis, I have no problem with her using a Southwest card, as long as she pays it off every single month. Um, that's the trick, is that these bonuses are pretty good. Whether it's Target, if you use your, debt, your Target red card, that gives you 5% off your purchase, that's 5% back in your pocket. Or that's 5% cheaper. So someone who uses cash or a non-Target card at Target pays 5% more than you. Does that not sound like you're getting ahead? I'm often stunned that people have fears of using credit cards. Um, and I understand it because they probably used them incorrectly in the past. 800-516-1220 um, to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. I don't think you have to be afraid of the past, in my opinion. Uh, retailers AutoZone, Best Buy, Dick's Sporting Good. They reported better than expected results. Stock market didn't necessarily reflect that, but they did. Strength today in energy and telco services, weakness in consumer discretionary healthcare and technology. There's one area that's kind of the most speculative. It's the biotech area. Curing cancer. Back to the vaccination thing. Pretty funny that like if you go and get into a car crash, you're like, doctor, save my life. But when a doctor says a vaccination will save your kid's life, you're like, I don't want to put it in his arm because Jenny McCarthy said so. So the biotech index is something I watched. It shows me the most amount of uh, speculation because they're curing cancer, they're curing baldness, they're curing... Um, hepatitis C, they're curing migraines, they're working on these areas, right? So when I see it down I, on a, any given day, there's an iShares NASDAQ biotech ETF called IBB. It's one of the stocks or one of the ETFs that I follow because it tells me there's not a lot of speculation today. We just hit all-time highs on the NASDAQ, not all-time highs, but the 5,000 level mark on the NASDAQ. And some speculation got us there. Now there's a little less speculation. Helps me on a day-by-day. You can find out more about me and the seminar coming up at Walnut Creek at robblack.com. That's robblack.com coming up on March 12th. I'm Rob Black.
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Let's bring on Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com. I start my day every day reading Mr. O'Hare's page one column. It gives me insights into the markets, kind of calms me in case I missed something. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm doing well, thank you. Good to be back with you. Good, good. Um, this market, you know... S&P 500 hit a recent all-time high. The Dow hit a recent all-time high. The Nasdaq got back to 5,000. And uh, the internal editor in my head is turning on and saying, that's probably not a good thing because that's when the bears come out, when things are great. Something along those lines. Um, are you feeling the same thing I'm feeling, that it's it's time for not an all-time low because we don't want to go to zero, yeah. but it's it's been too good for too long? Well, you know, what what bothers me right now, though, is that there's kind of really just – I don't feel like there's really any strong um, attention to, you know, to the underlying economic data. You know, right now I think you've got this disconnect uh, taking place, and you've had it for a while, really, where you've got the disconnect between the financial markets and the real economy. Um, now, I absolutely would admit the real economy has gotten better uh, than it was few years ago, uh, but it's still not out of the woods, and we're seeing a series of economic releases uh, since the start of the year that uh, basically point to the notion that the economy is not going to hit escape velocity and certainly not going to sustain escape velocity here in the near future, and yet you have the market continuing to run to new highs all at the same time while earnings growth estimates can continue to come down. Um, and you know we've talked for a long time, Rob, and and I keep coming back to the idea if you if you look for a, a rationale or a reason why it can keep doing what it's doing, you know it's right there in front of us with that you know Fed funds rate at the zero bound. I mean the market is just following this uh, trend or playing the trend that you just don't fight the Fed and it's going to run this as far as it can for as long as it can until it really gets burned. And so far it has not been the case, and it's it's been a case of really. Um, believing that the Fed's policy can buy time for this economy to catch up uh, and for these uh, the run in the stock indices to you know all-time highs can be then uh, rationalized uh, in a, on a more on a stronger fundamental basis but right now I think we're getting a little detached from what's going on fundamentally here and I would think that the market should be somewhat ripe for a setback in the near term now with that said I mostly agree with 99 percent of what you you know, throughout there. I recently looked at my 401k. I'm like, I'm going to tinker a little bit. I'm going to go a little more small cap. And I changed my allocations based on that kind of theory that you just set up that we're due for. And I was, I had a lot of S&P 500. I had a lot of uh, dividend achievers. I tinkered a bit. That's how I respond to we need a pullback or I feel a pullback. It's like feeling an earthquake. It may not happen, but it doesn't hurt to get prepared for it. Are you doing anything either personally or through your commentary to to lighten the load a little bit, but not panic to maybe shift some assets? Yeah, um, yeah, I am. You know, and uh, I can say you know I tinkered a little bit too with my 401k, and that I you know reallocated more toward Europe um, out of um, out of out of cash, frankly, not necessarily reducing my uh, holdings in the U.S., but simply had money in cash reserve and. Uh, and uh, allocated more toward uh, the European markets uh, on the basis that, uh, you know, I feel like in Europe we're, we're sort of at that point where, you know, the U.S. market was uh, 2009, 2010, where you're just getting the start of QE. 
Um, you have a weaker euro uh, that's going to help support uh, earnings growth for those uh, multinational European companies. Uh, you have really low expectations uh, surrounding earnings growth and economic growth. Um, and so I think that uh, the, the, the potential is there for European markets to do well um, over a multi-year time horizon here now uh, as things hopefully do get better. Um, so, uh, so that's what I did personally. Um, and then in terms of what, you know, communicating toward, uh, to readers of, of briefing.com is to, you know, pay attention to this fact that, you know, earnings growth estimates are, are coming down and you have stock valuations that are, 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 are rising at the same time. And so um, I think we're nearing this inflection point where it's going to be, you know, that easy money trade, if you will, is not going to be so easy. And I, and I think what you're alluding to, Rob, is it's absolutely the prudent thing to do. Um, you know, from a portfolio rebalancing standpoint, you've got a number of, you know, individual stocks and even sectors that have had tremendous runs uh, where, you know, money can be taken off the top and reallocated toward those underperforming areas uh, if you have a more patient mindset. So, for instance, you know, you've got uh, energy really depressed here. Uh, you've got some of those technology names uh, that have done extremely well. Um, say Apple, for instance, right? Everyone owns Apple, it seems. Uh, had a, a tremendous run. The company's doing great. Fundamentals are still good. But, um, you know, perchance there's, you know, an opportunity there back something off a little bit and reallocate toward the energy stocks with uh, with house money, if you will, and uh, and wait that out uh, and uh, and and see that that turn. Um, it's not going to come immediately, but I think that's the nature of you know uh, of being attentive to portfolio rebalancing and having a longer term mindset because in the end that should pay off quite well. You mentioned something interesting there. You said everybody owns Apple, right? Um, the last time NASDAQ was at 5,000, I think everyone did own individual stocks, but now everyone tends to own ETFs, with the exception of maybe Apple. Um, how does that change your flow? Or maybe speak to that a little bit of good idea, bad idea. Well, you've certainly seen a tremendous increase in the appeal of uh, these exchange-traded products uh, and exchange-traded funds that uh, they offer some nice uh, – uh, diversification and with uh, lower costs and certainly with higher levels of liquidity in a lot of instances. Um, so from a uh, uh, from a trading standpoint, you know there's some appeal there, um, and certainly from an act, active portfolio management standpoint, there's there's appeal there uh, as opposed to necessarily just going into mutual funds um, where you can't get out intraday if you really need to, but. Um, I think there is some concentration risk, though, um, when uh, we have these macro trades, if you will, with high correlation, where kind of like everything seems to go up, you know, off of the latest headline, and then everything goes down on the next headline, and you just, you know, you're riding that roller coaster. And I think some of that does have to do with the fact that there's been a proliferation in these exchange-traded products uh, and, and a higher degree of allocation there than there has been in the past and likely will continue to be. So... Um, you know, concentration risk is something that I think investors need to be aware of and uh, conscientious about, um, and that's why, you know, you look at a stock like Apple where, you know, I say it somewhat facetiously. I, personally, I don't own Apple, but I'm just saying that if you look at all of, like, the, the, the leading mutual funds, uh, you know, most of them will have Apple in their portfolios, and it does seem to be, like, the stock to own, and, and, um, and you have to be mindful of things like that because if something goes bad for that company, um, you get people that kind of finally 
start to think, you know, probably the best days are behind it, and then you start seeing that reduction uh, in ownership take place, and it can kind of, you know, snowball on itself because no one wants to be the last last one, you know, standing there. So um, I'm not predicting that. I'm not forecasting that anytime soon for Apple. I'm just saying it is something that people need to be aware of, whether it's Apple or any other stock that's made a big move or any other sector that's made a big move uh, with a lot of fanfare behind it. Speaking with Chief Market Analyst Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com, great site, a lot of information, whether it be on ETFs, trading, swinging, swing trading, not swinging, um, overall stock market, the business, you know, the, of the economy. There's a lot of content there. Is there anything that you're working on right now that you want to make us aware of? We've got about two minutes. Yeah, I, I, I've got to, uh, you know, kind of what we talked about at just at the top of the interview is simply, you know, paying attention to the economic data that's, that's coming in that continues to be weaker than expected here in the early part of 2015. And we're going to get a, a key report here on Friday with the February employment report. Uh, I don't think the market is concentrated so much on what non-farm payrolls are going to be as it is what uh, hourly earnings are going to be. We saw a real nice gain in January. Um, our chief economist, Jeff Rosen, thought uh, a good portion of that had to do with uh, some of the one-time impacts of minimum wage increases. So we're going to need to watch that report carefully because we know that the Federal Reserve is going to be watching it carefully uh, with respect to the hourly earnings trend to see if there was any follow-through from those strong January results. Uh, and if there was, uh, you might see the market get a little bit upset because it's going to have to uh, reprice its expectations potentially for the timing of the first uh, hike in the federal funds rate uh, as uh, you know, a higher-than-expected hourly earnings number could drive some inflation concerns or at least drive this attitude that inflation is trending toward a level that the Fed's going to feel more comfortable raising rates at. So uh, it's going to be a key report to watch, and uh, probably we'll be commenting on that later in the week. Thanks very much. We are paying attention to the jobs report because it's part of the teeter-totter between valuations and job creation and low interest rates. Um, it's a big one. Thanks very much. That's Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst with Briefing.com. You can find out more about what Briefing offers and doesn't offer. I find it to be very robust, very user-friendly. You can find out more about that at Briefing.com. Some of the other stories out there today that I'm looking at uh, ASCAP, um, or ASCAP, the music licensing agency is, in one sense, fighting for its survival, seeking to change decades-old rules that fit the online economics of the nowadays, you know, streaming. They pulled in over a billion dollars in revenue last year for the first time. The American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers collect royalties whenever the more than 10 million songs it represents are played on radio or TV broadcasters. So ASCAP alive and well. Last year they got paid about 883 million, or they paid 883 million of their members. Now they're paying over a billion dollars. Pretty healthy, right? Don't let the music industry cry poor on you. Find out more about me and my webinars and seminars at robblack.com. I got one coming up. Find out at robblack.com.
Connor Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. What are you looking for with your credit cards? That's a big question. <clears throat> First and foremost, I like credit. I think it's very helpful if used correctly. I'm not going to get into a good credit score right now. I think you want to find a credit card that's appropriate for you. And then another one, and another one, and another one. I don't want you to have 70 credit cards. <clears throat> I want you to have maybe four to seven. If you ever get into an emergency, you're going to want a low interest credit card. Don't use that card unless it's an emergency. If you're looking for cash back because you don't travel that much, a cashback card's awesome. For instance, I have the City Double Cash card. You're seeing a lot of commercials for it. Why are you seeing a lot of commercials for it? Because there's a lot of competition for you right now. And typically, I'll say things like, you know, be careful <clears throat> when you see commercials. It's because they're, they make money off you. You know, the amount of mattress commercials that you hear on radio and television tells you that they make a lot of money because commercials aren't cheap. And I think you'd, you're better off like going to Macy's to buy a mattress or a crime scene, murder scene kind of situation. So, but you should also get an airline card if you ever do travel. Um, some of the deals have gone from 40,000 free miles to 50,000 free miles. Essentially $1,000 in cheap money, in free money for just signing up. Card for my travel card, you get 40,000 miles when you spend $3,000 or more within the first three months, equal to $400 of free travel. You get two times miles on every purchase every day. Fly any airline, stay at any hotel. Miles don't expire. No foreign transaction fees. No annual fee for the first year, $59 after that. I'm okay with that because I spend a lot. If you don't want that one, you can go with one that gives you just 1.25 miles. But if you're a big spender versus a small spender, you have to just run the numbers. There's other cards out there, gas cards. If a company's going to give you anywhere between 3% to 5% back on, cash, on gas, that's pretty good. Bank America Cash Rewards Credit Card is a pretty good one. Um, they give you 3% on gas for the first 1500 in combined grocery store and gas purchases each quarter. No annual fee. So you can put all your um, gas on that. You're probably not spending over $1,500 in gas per month, per quarter. Um, are there other ones out there? Mm, yeah. Major League Baseball is a good uh, gas reward as well, 3%. Um, you're not going to get much better than that. Um, there's some tricky ones out there, but I don't like the tricky ones. Where you get like 5% off on your first $5,000 purchases every year. Uh, unlimited 2% earnings on every purchase after that. The earnings don't expire. That's the buy power card from Capital One. That's a pretty good one. Notice that Capital One has got a lot of credit cards, right? Um, business cards, they differ like gold and clay to me. Um, the Capital One Spark Cash Select for Business, I think, is the best um, that I can run numbers on. There's a couple of good websites out there, bankrate.com, as well as the points guy, thepointsguy.com, where he does a very nice job of showing you rewards for various credit card companies. Again, I'm not recommending you go hog wild on this. I'm recommending that you be intelligent with your 
what you're getting back. Um, and if you have a problem with carrying balances, this is a horrible, horrible idea for you. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, taking a look at stock markets. Um, I'm not seeing anything that is dramatically pushing the markets right now. A little bit of a pullback. Um, not terrible, considering we just hit all-time highs recently. Um, some other things to note today. Auto sales were a little mixed. And again, I'm okay with that. Um, you're not going to be hitting all-time highs all the time. We had a really good November-December in auto sales. And we've had a very cold February, January. That combination has, you know, you're seeing Chrysler sales up 5.6%, Nissan up 2.7%, Ford down 2%. General Motors up 4.2, Toyota up 13.3. Those are pretty good numbers in of themselves. Not the greatest numbers compared to November and December, but we're at a rate of about 16.56 million. That's not bad. Um, at our lows, we're down about 14 million new cars per year. At our highs, about 17 and a half, 18 million. Uh, so we're at much closer to the highs than lows. Cars are a big part of our economy. In large part, we spend a lot servicing them, but then they also create a lot of jobs from car salespeople to dealerships to finance people at dealerships to car repairs. Um, so when the new cars are being hitting, you know, auto zones struggle. When new car numbers are at lows, companies like auto zones do very well. Best Buy had a pretty good quarter. I can't say that I can really get all that behind Best Buy because my dollar is limited in how many things I can invest in. Um, it's close to a 52-week high. That's nice to see for a company that a lot of people thought was going to be put down. They've got a nice dividend yield of about 2%. Um, I think it could trade higher for sure. It's got a 13 times next year's earnings, but they're growing their earnings roughly at 2%, so I'm not going to pay much more than that for this. Um, and I don't really see anything crazy uh, coming down the road for Best Buy as far as surprises go. Don't forget, i got a webinar coming up. You can sign up for it, 10 Pillars of Retirement Income, next, uh, not this Thursday, but the following Thursday. So two Thursdays from now in Walnut Creek at the Sheraton. You can sign up at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.